blessings. We thank you for this time that we have to um, focus on the Christmas story and the reason why you came. Lord, we pray that you would help Christian as he goes to work now, Lord, that you would keep him safe tonight. Lord, we just pray that you would help each one of these young hearts, Lord, to be focused and to hear, and Lord, that your Holy Spirit would begin working in any of their hearts that don't know you as their Savior yet. Help them to start understanding why you came and what you've done for them and why they need you. And Lord, I pray that any child here that doesn't know you or any adult, Lord, that doesn't know you as their Savior, that they would receive you today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we're going to discover the mystery of these six presents here in just a minute. No, no. We're going to discover what the secret of these presents are. But first, we've got to go to our Bibles, to Matthew chapter 2. Now, our lessons lately have been in the book of, does anybody remember? Daniel. But this one's not from Daniel. This one is from Matthew chapter 2. Now, in the book of Luke, we get the story about Jesus being born. He was born and he was placed in a manger because there was no room in Bethlehem for them in the inn. And so they had to stay in a stable. And so Mary gave birth to her baby, not in the hospital, not at home, but she gave birth to the baby in what would basically be a barn. And she put the baby not in a cradle, not in a bassinet, not in a baby carrier, but in a feeding trough where animals are fed with all the stinky sheep and cows and any uh, donkeys, any other animals that might live in there. So with those donkeys and with those chickens, anybody ever smelt a chicken coop? It is not a pleasant smell. Anybody ever smelt a barnyard where the cows live? Yeah, it is not a pleasant smell. My family now lives in the middle of a cow pasture on the edge, rather, of a cow pasture. And sometimes when you get out of the van to go into the gate, guess what? You have to watch where you step. Now, can you imagine having a brand new little bitty, itty bitty baby and you have give birth to him in a barn around the cows and around all the other nasty, stinky animals. But Jesus was born in a stable because he was going to be the lamb of God. He was the lamb of God. He would pay for our sins on the cross. He was going to be our sacrifice. So he came into the world and was born in a stable. And look here, all the shepherds came to see him that night. Oh, I think this guy's trying to play peekaboo with the new baby. But all the shepherds came and they found baby Jesus and they were the first New Testament missionaries. Because after they found baby Jesus in that manger that night, they went all around the countryside telling everybody they could find that the Savior had been born. Well, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, a star began to shine. Now, some scientists, Christian scientists, will, will try to explain scientifically what this star was. And there were all these stars that lined up. And because they lined up, then those stars lining up, somehow another made the Bethlehem star. And so it wasn't really miraculous. It was just something that happened in the sky. But this star was not any star that could be explained by science. Because this star, not stars, uh, Plural, this single star moved across the sky 
And this star shone light at a very special place. So this was a miraculous star. The star started shining when Jesus was born. And we find out about this in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, There, where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. So these wise men in the east, they were studying the stars. I mean, these men... These weren't men that knew Jesus. They were probably maybe from the old country of Babylon. And maybe Daniel had told the wise men about the Messiah that would come one day. Perhaps they were looking that one day a Jewish Messiah might come. We don't really know where these men came from. But wherever they were, they saw this star shining in the east and they knew what it meant. This means that the king of the Jews has been born. Well, where do you expect the king of a country might be born. You think it might be born in one of the tiny little towns around or might be born in the capital city. What do you think? Capital city? You think capital city is a good? Well, I would guess capital city. And that's what these men guessed. They came into Israel. They came into Jerusalem and they went up. And when they came into town, they started asking everybody, where's he that's born king of the Jews? Where's the baby king? They're like, what are you talking about? King Herod didn't have no baby lately. His wife didn't have no baby lately. Oh, no, no, there's a baby. We saw his star and they're like, y'all people are crazy. Because those Jewish people there in Jerusalem, they weren't looking for the baby Jesus in the manger. And Herod definitely wasn't. When Herod got word that these wise men were there looking for a king, he got nervous. Because, okay, you think Nebuchadnezzar was crazy that we've been studying about? Herod was really crazy. Herod was one of the last great descendants of Esau. Remember Jacob and Esau? This is like his great, 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 grandkid. And he's crazy. And he was scared of everybody trying to take over his job. Well, when Herod hears that there's been a baby king of the Jews born, he wants to find out where this baby is, who this baby is, so he can get rid of it. So he puts on his nice face, like all good politicians have. And he put on his nice face and he said, oh, you go get those wise men and bring them to me. Well, the wise men came in and they had a meeting. Now, we don't know how many there were in this band of wise men. The, the Old Testament calls, <clears throat> refers to a couple of prophecies about kings coming that they would come to his rising. And I know ultimately that'll be fulfilled when Jesus comes back one day and kings of the earth will bring him gifts. But I wouldn't be surprised if that was partially fulfilled when the wise men came. One of the Old Testament prophecies said that they would come on camels, specifically dromedaries. Does anybody know what a dromedary is? Okay, my kids are the only weird ones here. What's a dromedary, Josiah? A one-humped camel. So they were going to be coming and the camels would just cover the land. What does that mean? If camels come, That means there'd be a whole bunch of them, right? So it could have been that these wise men there could have been a whole bunch of them. And that would be a scary, weird sight if all these men, all these foreigners showed up and they're here and they're excited and they're ready to worship the new king of the Jews and they brought him expensive presents. Herod is worried. So he has the wise men come in. 
Well, they get into Herod's palace and they have a special meeting. And he starts asking them questions. When? When did this star first appear? Because he wants to know how long ago it could have been that the baby was born. So they start telling him about when it was and how long they've been traveling. And he starts finding out all this information. Well, he's like, I, I need to find out where this king of the Jews, where would he be born? So he calls in all the smart guys, the men, the scribes who studied the Bible and would write out copies of the Bible. He thought they'll know. And he got the really important priest from the temple. And he said, y'all come. And they had a big meeting and he asked all of them. He said, where is the king of the Jews supposed to be born? And they said, oh, well, the Bible says the Old Testament scriptures that they had. They said, it says that he was to be born in Bethlehem. And in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 6, they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Well, Herod has this private meeting and he tells them, he said, I want you to go to Bethlehem. And you find the baby. And after you give him your gifts, you come back and tell me so that I can worship him too. Do you think Herod really wanted to worship baby Jesus? No. He wanted to kill baby Jesus. But he wasn't going to tell the wise men that. He's trying to trick the wise men. But guess what? They were wise men. And they knew better. Now, you know, that makes me think maybe they were kings because, you know, if they weren't fooled by this other politician, I, I don't know. Anyway, but God intervened and God told them not to come back to hear it. Regardless, they go outside, they get back to their camels and there's the star. And the Bible says the star started moving. So they started following it. And the Bible says when they got to Bethlehem, that the star shined down. Anybody ever seen when all of a sudden the, it'll be dark outside during the middle of the day and then the clouds will part and make this little hole and all of a sudden, boom, the sun just shines down. I was driving this last week in town and I almost got in a wreck because I'm driving and I look up and it was magnificent. There were so many clouds and then all of a sudden this bright beams of light just coming down over the city. I was so amazed by it. I pulled out into the traffic and this, thankfully the teenager was paying attention coming at me and, and he went around me and praise the Lord, I didn't get in trouble, but, or dead. But I saw that light coming down. It reminds me of this story. All of a sudden that light started shining down. Well, when it stopped, the Bible says the wise men got so excited, they got off their camels, they rejoiced. They celebrated. It was a party because they had finally found the birthday boy. They had found Jesus. And they went into the house where Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus were. And the Bible says that they offered him gifts. Now this picture has him pretty tiny, but we don't know exactly how old he was. Probably somewhere between the little guy and maybe about two years old. But whatever the case was, they find the little child and his mother 
and they bow down and they worship him. And they gave him some gifts. And this is where we get to that idea of giving presents at Christmas. But the first presents that we see that might be in a package and brought from afar was not given to any, just any normal baby. It was given to who? Given to Jesus. Now we have six packages up here. The first package that we have here, let's see if we can find out what is in this golden package. Huh. Okay. There is a scripture verse. But first, look up here at the screen, and I'm going to give you this first package. Gold. Why on earth would they bring gold to a baby who lives in Bethlehem? who was laid in a manger when he was born. What do you think the gold might represent? The gold was given to baby Jesus to represent that baby Jesus was king. Oh, he may not be treated like a king. Oh, he may not be wrapped in pretty silk clothes. He may be wrapped in swaddling clothes. He may be sleeping in a feeding trough. But that didn't change the fact he was king. He may travel around and not have a house to live in. He may teach people like a commoner. He may learn to be a carpenter. And he may be crucified. And he may be buried. But nonetheless, he was king. In fact, if you read in Matthew chapter 1, the angel of the Lord tells Joseph, he says, and he... um, In verse number 23, quotes from the book of Isaiah and says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now, what's that verse right there? That's the one I was supposed to be reading. Revelation 19. Remember what I just read. We'll have that one in a minute. Revelation chapter 19, when Jesus returns one day, he's not coming as a baby in a manger. He's not coming as a servant or as someone crucified hanging on a tree. How will Jesus come back? In verse 16, um, he's riding on a white horse. And in verse 16, it says, and he hath on his vesture, that's on his clothes, and on his thigh. So here on the side of his leg is a name written on his clothes. What's the name written? King of kings and Lord of lords. Because when Jesus comes back, he will come back as king. Well, the second gift we have here is frankincense frankincense. Now, why on earth would they give him frankincense? You think the baby stunk and he needed perfume? Is that why he got it? Well, let's look here. This is a picture of frankincense. Frankincense comes from a tree and they get this resin and they turn it into like a perfume. And in the old days, in the temple, in the Old Testament, they would burn a special, like a cologne or a perfume, they would diffuse an oil, you could say. And this oil that they would send up to God to be a sweet smell to God, one of the things that, one of the ingredients it had was frankincense. 
Why would the wise men bring him something like this? Well, in the verse I read a minute ago from Matthew 1.23, sorry, 123, his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. He was brought gold because he was king. He was brought frankincense because he was God. Jesus was God. God living in a human body. Did you know Matthew, uh, um, that Joseph was not Jesus's real dad? He was the stepdad. Who was his real dad? God the Father in heaven, that's right. God had done a miracle and put baby Jesus in Mary's womb. And when he was born, he was not the son of Joseph. He was the son of God, meaning he was pure. He was sinless. He was the creator. In John chapter 1, it tells us, and Colossians chapter 1 and Hebrews chapter 1, he was God. He was the creator. He's the one who made the sky. He's the one who made the earth. He's the one that made you and made me. Jesus is our creator. Jesus received frankincense because he was God in the flesh. The third gift that we have here represents the myrrh. He received gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh, here's a picture of myrrh. Myrrh is also a resin. And in, what's the verse there, guys? Hebrews 9, 28. In the book of Hebrews, it tells us that Jesus was a sacrifice. In Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, it says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. Sin can't be forgiven unless a sacrifice is made and blood were to be shed. But then in verse 28, it says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. Jesus received gold because he was king. Jesus received frankincense because he was God. Jesus received myrrh because he would be our sacrifice. What an interesting baby gift. They gave him something that would be used for dead bodies. One of the ingredients they would use in embalming in those days was myrrh. It would help the body smell sweeter when you put it in the ground. And if y'all remember in the story of Jesus' death, that on the first day of the week, women came to prepare the body. Jesus had already been put in the cave, right? And he had been in the tomb for three days and three nights. And the women put together a mixture of herbs and spices, and they were going to wrap the body of Jesus. They were going to put those in the wrappings. Guess what one of the ingredients they used was? Myrrh. They took the myrrh, they crushed the myrrh, and they put it in the wrappings. But when they got to the tomb, you remember? They found the tomb was opened. Was, all the guards had passed out. And Jesus was gone. He had risen from the dead. They didn't need to prepare his body for burial. He had already risen from the dead. But this, the myrrh, reminds us that Jesus was not only king, he was not only God, but he would be our sacrifice and he was going to die for our sin. Now, the next package we have here, what color is this? Red. Hmm. What do you think all the red we see around us at Christmas? What do, why is red an important Christmas color? Because it reminds us, that's right, of the blood of Jesus. John 3.16, here we have this. The fourth Christmas present is God's present to the world. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God's present to the world wasn't wrapped in a box. It wasn't wrapped up in paper like Jimmy and Vern. How was God's present wrapped? It was wrapped in flesh, in a human body. And who was it that put on this human body? What do we call him? Jesus, God's son, came to this earth and lived a perfect sinless life. He never did anything wrong like you and me. He never sinned. He never talked back to his mom and dad. He never lied. He never stole. He never cheated. He never had a bad attitude. He never talked in church. He never did anything wrong. He was perfect. He was sinless. But they took Jesus and they crucified him. They nailed him to a tree. Why did he have to die? To pay for our sins. And they buried him. And what happened three days later? He arose from the dead. That's right. Jesus is risen. And then that brings us to the fifth package. We're cheating. It's right up there. Do you know why we have so much green at Christmas time? Green reminds us of eternal life. Why? Because evergreens and holly bushes, they stay green at Christmas, right? They're green. They have the berries, the red berries. What do the red berries remind us of? The blood of Jesus. A holly bush has thorns. Thorns prick. That reminds us of the crown of thorns on Jesus' head. Now, there's something else inside this package. What is this? Anybody know what this is? We got one right up there on the wall, one right up there on that wall. We got a bunch in there on those fake windows in the foyer. Okay, there's red berries. It's a wreath. A wreath is a what? Okay, so does a circle have a beginning? Does it have an ending? If I make a line, I go from here to here, there's a starting place and there's an ending place. Do you know why, we, why Christians hang wreaths at Christmas? And we, we hang them and make them out of greenery because it reminds us of eternal life. God came, Jesus came in the flesh to bring us eternal life. What does Romans 6, 23 say? If you know it, say it with me. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of, oh, there's the word gift. What's God's gift? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The gift that God gives to each one of us, he gave to the whole world, Jesus. But if you will believe him, if you will put your faith in him, he'll give to you eternal life that has no start, no ending. That means that here on earth, we get to live. Jesus lives with us. He lives in our heart through the Holy Spirit. But when we die, where do we get to go? To heaven to live with him. Eternal life is knowing Jesus. And that means while we're alive, he's with us. And when we die, we go to be with him. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that's like the best present you could get for Christmas. Eternal life, that God would give us eternal life. So let's review these. First of all, we have gold. What did gold represent? That Jesus was king. What did the frankincense represent? He was he was God. What did the myrrh represent? He was our sacrifice. What did the red here represent? The red package? That Jesus shed his blood for God so loved the world. Jesus is the gift to the world. And then what did the green package remind us of? 
eternal life. So every time you see a wreath on a door or you see green wrapping paper, it reminds us of eternal life that Jesus wants to give to each one of us. But then we come to the last and final package. It's blue. It's got snowflakes. Can somebody tell me something, a fact that you know about snowflakes? Everyone is exactly the same, right? No. That's right. No snowflake, no two snowflakes are exactly the same, right? Everyone is different. Oh, that's so pretty. Yes, a snowflake pen. Well, you know what? Yes, ma'am. That's right. Christmas is celebrating Jesus' birthday. And when we celebrate his birthday, this last package represents something that you and I, every one of us are unique. Every one of us are different. But there's something that every one of us need to give Jesus. And that is our heart. Let's see what's inside of this package. Romans 10, 10. Let me look this verse up. I want to read it. Romans 10 and verse number 10. Romans 10, 10 says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So Jesus died on the cross to pay for your sins. Jesus was buried and he rose again from the dead. Do you really believe that? Do you believe it in your head? Or do you believe it in your heart? You can put your faith in Jesus right now. Admit to God that you're a sinner. That you don't deserve to be saved. But you know what? Even though you and I were really bad, even though you and I were sinners, Jesus loved us. And he paid for our sins on the cross. And he wants you to put your faith in him even right now. You can do that right now where you're sitting. You can put your faith in Jesus. Just admit to him, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner, but I believe that you died for me and were buried and rose again. And you know what? If you put your faith in that, he gives you a gift. What is the gift he gives you? Eternal life. Eternal life. You will know Jesus and spend eternity in heaven with him. I want everybody to bow your head and close your eyes. Nobody looking around. Nobody looking around. Maybe right now you realize that you don't know Jesus. Your sins have never been forgiven. Or maybe you've prayed a prayer, but you know that you didn't really get saved. You didn't really put your faith in Jesus. Right now, you can do that. You can admit to Jesus that you're a sinner. Tell him you believe that he died for you and that he rose again from the dead. Tell him that you give him your heart. And then I challenge you to talk to your mom and dad. When service is over, go tell your mom and dad and talk to them. Come talk to me or Pastor Hovey. We'd love to talk to you. You can give your heart to Jesus right now. Let's pray.
Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for each one of these kids. I pray that you would work in their hearts, help them to understand better what you did for them, and each one of them come to know you as their personal Savior. We thank you for the gift that you've given us of Jesus and of eternal life. Help us to remember that above everything else this Christmas. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.